I want us to see some things today as we're discussing the very character and nature of God revealed in Scripture. And that really is the goal. Uh, I feel that in many instances what we've done is we've worked hard in the world that you and I live in um, to accelerate a, a really powerful presentation of Scripture. And in working hard at that, as church leaders, uh, we've undermined something about Scripture that says those who seek the Lord diligently with all their heart will find Him. Isn't that an interesting verse of Scripture? And in many ways, we as church leaders, myself included, guilty as charged, asking God for wisdom to navigate through this, what we've done is we have brought powerful presentation that has undermined and removed the congregation's seek. And the Bible doesn't say, present my gospel powerfully and I'll be found. He says, seek me diligently. I'm going to ask you, are you seeking God? I'm talking you personally, congregationally, uh, as a family. This is important for us that we awaken a genuine pursuit in the heart of, of our church family. Because I believe once we enter into that level of pursuit, God begins to awaken something in us that, that is an expression of heaven an expression of power, an expression of anointing that Isaiah 10, 27 says destroys every yoke of bondage. Do you know who you are? Everywhere you go, you carry an anointing that literally can become the expression of God's kingdom, setting people free merely by your presence. I, I know it's wild, but a person's shadow can fall on a sick person and a sick person be healed. I mean, when I read things like that in the Bible, I'm just thinking, where is that church? And let's just declare it. Here is that church. Come on, let's rise up and be who God has called us to be. We'll never understand this if we don't get past the lie that God is not pleased with us and medicate that deception by nonsensical legalism trying to make ourselves feel better about how God supposedly feels about us. This is exactly what Paul is revealing in the book of Galatians. He's addressing something that I believe is foundational and fundamental for all of our lives. It speaks of the grace and the life of Jesus Christ by his Spirit. So here's, here's the, the history and context of the book. The apostle Paul has established a church, and he established this church, these believers, uh, these Galatian believers, he's established them as a group of people that understood the grace of Jesus Christ. And they were saved by grace. And it was really an incredible revolution that was taking place in this moment as the New Testament church was being born. And then Paul is going from community to community to, to awaken the cause of Christ in these varying groups of people that were coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was no longer with the, these Galatian believers. He was in another place, and he gets word in his absence, these individuals, Judaizers, the, the Scripture calls them, of which Paul, by the way, was one of the best uh, at at enforcing legalism and even killing for the cause of the legalistic conclusion of the law, trying to stamp out these nonsensical Christians who now believed in grace. And then, of course, Paul has his incredible experience with God and becomes the greatest advocate of grace because God knocks him off his high horse, literally. Uh, how many of you know God will reach into your life whatever means necessary? And I'm so thankful for that. 
How many of you are hard-headed? Any hard-heads in here? I mean, I, I am clearly hard-headed. God has to do so much. So in Paul's absence, this confusion began to emerge, and, and grace was embraced, and it was great, only they were saying that it had, to be, it had to be coupled with human effort to actually be complete. And I want you to hear that. You need to understand that because this needs to land on you and this needs to land on me. It's, it's easy for us to contextualize this in the way they were doing it and say, wow, they were knuckleheads. They didn't get it. I'm going to just tell you right now, you are doing this in your life. God wants to deliver every one of us from this in our lives. And it's a progression. Uh, it's a lifelong progression of seeing how uh, we have this pursuit. And let me just say the statement again. Grace is great, but it needed to be coupled with human efforts to be made complete. Paul was very bold in his address to expose this confusion. And I want you to write it in. We've said it uh, a few weeks in a row now as an important truth for us to understand. The kingdom of God is built on something so much stronger than your religious devotion to God. The kingdom of God is built on God's love for you. God loves you. God really loves you. He doesn't have to pinch his nose to look at you or to be around you. He loves you. He adores you. You might even be here today and you're just mildly curious about God. He is passionately interested in you. So we've looked at these concepts and ideas and I want you to understand that mercy, grace, and strength, this is what we see in the layout of the book of Galatians, and it's so amazing because mercy is the alleviation of what we deserve. The wages of sin is death. How many of you have made mistakes? Raise your hand. What do you deserve as a result of sin? Death. Mercy is the alleviation of what we deserve. Thank God that we don't get what we deserve. Is anybody here glad you didn't get what you deserve? Mercy is the alleviation of what you deserve. Grace, however, is the application of what Jesus deserves. Jesus deserves incredible affection from God as the Son of God who was sinless and never sinned. He deserves that. And that's applied to you. That's applied to your life. That's where you stand. That's where you stand with God. How many of you know Jesus is good with God? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You are as good with God as Jesus is because Jesus and grace is applied to you. This is huge for us to understand. We stop striving in our own strength when we understand this. And that's why the third component of the book of Galatians that I think is so important is strength. And I want us to understand a little bit about strength. We work so hard to live for Christ. Would you agree? We work so hard to live for Christ. There's so many things we do that are counter-biblical. And that's one of them. And I want you just to try and get it today. It's really going to take revelation for us to understand what God wants us to, to, to embrace. Because we work so hard to live for Jesus. But let's go to the scripture, Galatians, where Paul's addressing these individuals that said grace was great, but human effort was also required for grace to be complete. And this is what Paul says, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We work so hard to live for Christ, but the Bible says, I no longer live. We work so hard to live for Jesus, but the Bible says, I no longer live. What that means 
is it's actually not about you striving to represent God with your very best because your very best still does not represent him right or correctly or well, but it's rather dying to yourself. And I want to talk about how to do this today. It's great to talk about it, and I think we all kind of get it, but how do we get there? What is awesome, and we're inspired by what, but how empowers? And I want to talk about how today. But we first have to dismantle a little bit our living the very best life we possibly can to represent Christ well. It's a great religious idea, and it's exactly what these people were coming in saying, grace is great, but you better live this way, and you better do this, and you, better, and you need to do that. And don't you be doing that. It's the church. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. In other words, I die to myself. And then Jesus begins to emerge through me. How many of you in this room are nice? Let's just have a moment of honesty. You're nice. Pretty nice. People around you would say you're nice. Raise your hand if you're nice. How many of you are not nice? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. No matter how nice you are, Jesus is nicer than you. I could ask generous and stingy. No matter how generous you are, Jesus is more generous than you. No matter how loving you are, Jesus is more loving than you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about you representing God well. It's about you dying to yourself so God can represent himself well through your surrendered available life. I love the story of the guy on the airplane who's sitting there and he's got the two upgrades to the, the lounge before his international flight and the person on the plane asks, can she get up and sit next to her friend in the first class space? And I've shared this story before because it so encapsulates what I feel like is a true expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the guy's sitting there with these two passes knowing one of those passes gets this person upgraded to first class and when, when she asked to go up there, they told her, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. And so he's sitting there realizing if he gives her the pass, she can go up. But if he gives her the pass, he doesn't sit in the lounge for three hours before he flies internationally. So he just sat there with the two passes in his pocket, not going to give them to her. And probably I would do the same thing because I'm selfish. Is anybody in here selfish? Is anybody in here a liar? <laughs> 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 so he sits there and the Holy Spirit prompts him and says, give her one of your passes. And he says in his mind, but Lord, if I do that, I can't go to the lounge. It's like God's going to say, oh, well, I didn't realize that. <laughs> the Lord just says, give her one of your passes. So he gives her a pass. And there happened to be two flight attendants that were flying standby sitting there who saw this happen and they were blown away knowing the value of what he had just placed in her hand. And they start talking about it. And so finally the conversation then erupts and it involves the person. Do you know how much that's worth what he just gave? Because she pushed the button for the flight attendant to come escort her to the first class. And, and, and so he finally looks over and he goes, would you like for me to share with you why I gave that? to you? And she said, yes. And she, he said, I didn't want to, but God told me I needed to. And then he caps it off with this. God's nicer than I am. <laughs> That's the gospel. Why don't you stop pretending you're something you're not? The church is confusing the, the I mean, confusing people like crazy. 
We're trying to make people behave in a way that misrepresents an expression of their life. And I think everybody should be good. I think everybody should be nice. I think everybody should be moral. I think everybody should live their lives in a certain way. But it really isn't about you having the grit to accomplish that. It's about you dying to yourself so the generous, loving nature of God emerges out of your surrender, available life. In God's kingdom, strength is born from weakness. I want you to track this with me. In God's kingdom, strength is born from weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, In weakness you're made strong with the perfect strength of Christ. Strength is born from weakness. Strength is born from weakness. You need to understand it. The Beatitudes, I love to study the Beatitudes. We did a focus on those years ago and looked at the progression of each Beatitude. This is in in Scripture right before Jesus is going to talk about being powerful and influential. He first begins with the Beatitudes. What's the first Beatitude? Anybody know? The first Beatitude, he says, if you're going to be powerful and influential, start here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit? The blessing begins with the poor. Why did Jesus start there? Because strength is born from weakness in the kingdom of God. Moses did great things. Would you agree? Moses did great things for God after dying a thousand deaths of regret in the wilderness. Why didn't God come and awaken his purpose in the palace? But rather, he had to wait until Moses was emptied of himself in the wilderness. He awakened his purpose in the wilderness, not the palace. Why? Because strength comes from weakness in the kingdom of God. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for each other so you'll be healed. Isn't that a curious verse? How many of you want healing to break forth? There's a vulnerability that's required, a community element that is expressed. We have to be willing to put our guard down. One of the things that was so powerful about the ladies' event yesterday was people got vulnerable about the things that were going on in their lives, the struggles that they have. When I hear you talk about your struggles, it helps me. That's the thing people tell me more than anything else. I get up here many times and I'll just start talking about a struggle that I'm walking this like, do I not have permission? I don't understand that, that idea of ministry because everywhere I go, anywhere I speak, I'm willing to talk about my struggles because what I've learned is if we're open and honest about our struggles, people are less confused. Amen. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for each other. Community, vulnerability. Why? Because strength is born from weakness in the kingdom of God. Next blank. Christianity is not about religious devotion to God's agenda. Christianity is about dying to self so Jesus can live through our surrendered, available lives. So there's this curious verse in John chapter 12, and it it says, Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies... It remains itself alone, but if it dies, if it dies, everyone say it, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Let's just say that again. If it dies, it bears much fruit. The thing that you need to understand is there is no question if there is life in the seed. The question is, will the seed die? 
There's no question, does the seed have life? The question is, will the seed die? Because if the seed dies, then it will produce life. And this speaks of you, and this speaks of me, and I wanted to show you the seed has this powerful shell on the outside, and that shell has to break open for the life inside to be able to grow. And this speaks of, of our outer man and our inner man. How many of you know you have an outer man? Your outer man's trying to be in control. Your outer man's probably having some distracting thoughts with you right now. I've said a couple of things that might like hit a nerve, like, what are you trying to say? We don't have to be, you know, the religious nerves are saying, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. What about, I know somebody in this room, they need to hear the truth that'll set them free. Give them the truth, Pastor. Relax. Take a chill. God is big enough to deal with the stuff that's going on in every person's life. The only person you should be concerned with in this room is you. So Paul begins to address this whole seed principle in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Spirit man, flesh man. Inward man, outer man. For the flesh, that outer man, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit, that inner man, desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. I don't know if you understand, but the struggle is real, and the struggle is real normal. The question is not, do you have life inside in your inner man? The question is, will your outer man be broken so your inner man's life can emerge and release something to your world? The Holy Spirit is confined in the lives of unbroken believers in the world in which you and I live. Is God powerful enough to change everything about our world? Where does that power dwell? You have that power in you. So how do we get broken? That is the question. Now I want to empower you with the how. In fact, I want to do it this way. I want to read to you one more verse of, of Galatians before I give you these how moments. And reiterate to you what I um, am sensing so much from the Lord in this moment for us as the church. Paul says in Galatians 3.14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You really need to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. You really need to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm not up here trying to come up with cool things to say. There are so many sound bites out there. And I'm very phrase-minded. And I have to be very guarded not to become a cliche master that carries no life in my words whatsoever. And so anytime I step up here, I try to just pause before I just go off to the races. It's what I'm doing right now. I wasn't supposed to share that verse. I was going to share that verse a little later, but I just felt the Holy Spirit say, I mean, you know, God's having a conversation. 
He's talking to you. I'm talking to you, he's talking to you, and you're talking to you. May his voice be the loudest. The Holy Spirit is confined in the lives of unbroken believers. So let me give you a couple of ideas. The way we become broken in the hands of God. Bulletin. Come to church. Forsake not the assembly. Glad you're here. Don't just come to church when it's convenient. When you purpose to come to church and gather as the body of Christ, when it's not convenient, that's when you're experiencing and expressing a brokenness before the Lord your God. Convenience is the killer of brokenness. The less broken we are, the more we're interested in convenience. The more broken we are, the less we're concerned with what's convenient. We're more concerned with the call. And we know you have a call of God and you have a pursuit of convenience. Which hunger takes control in your life? Turn the page. I beg you. I, I have no shame in begging you. I beg you. Buy in to this idea that I believe is an idea from God for our family. Take Bible, old-fashioned Bible. Start in the book of Genesis. Every day, write the date at the top of the page. I did it this morning. And every day, turn a page. You know, this morning when I was praying and I, I read my page, I'm in uh, Jeremiah pretty exhausting reading about all the sin of Israel and I think oh boy I'm so glad I'm so righteous and everybody else is such a sinner (laughs) no you just come into the reality that man by the grace of God he sees us through even when we're at our worst and I I read that and I just took some time and played the song that I could listen to one of my favorite songs right now that just this season I'm just listening I'm just walking and praying And the Holy Spirit just said, read the book of Galatians. You know, that's what I've been asking you to do. Your action point today is read the book of Galatians. I want to ask you to read the book of Galatians this week. Look into what I'm talking to you about. You'll see all these components beautifully expressed by the hand of God uh, through the pen of Paul. But I just just sat down and and I was just in the early morning hours just seeking God. And and I just began to read through the entire book. And, and as I was reading, I actually just started reading it out loud just so that I could release something. Not just read it and muse, but actually release it. And as I was reading, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I'm filling you up as you're declaring my word and doing what I've asked you to do. I'm giving you a deposit that I'm going to release when you're standing before that congregation. And there is a deposit of that moment of obedience that I accepted early this morning in a place of being broken and available to the Lord so the anointing of God would be more than just a message that I gave you today, but the Spirit of God is at work in this room. And the more you and I enter into that place of willingness to be broken, the more the anointing will spill out of our lives. Does anybody want to tap into the deep wells of God? Take time, not just what's convenient, to get into the Word. Fast and pray. I invite you, this Wednesday is my focus of fasting Uh, Every Wednesday, I fast at least a meal just to focus in, and and sometimes it's not convenient. 
But do you want to be broken? How many of you want to be broken before the Lord? How many of you really want to be broken? I mean, these are, these are the ways that Jesus demonstrated. Jesus told the disciples, you know, they brought somebody that needed to be delivered. Do you remember that story? And Jesus uh, said, you guys, like they said, we can't get the demon out of this guy. And Jesus comes over and he goes, okay, demon out. You know, it's all over. And he said, listen, some of these don't come out except by prayer and fasting. What he was saying was not, I need to go fast and pray, but rather I'm fasted and prayed up. Let me take care of this and let me get you on board that you're fasting and praying regularly too so that you're walking in anointing and power that sometimes you will only accomplish things by prayer and fasting. So this Wednesday night, I'm going to be speaking to our youth in here. And that's going to be my focal point. And I appreciate Pastor Chris inviting me to stand before our youth from time to time. And I'm just declaring God's awakening something in the heart of some mighty warriors. I'm not coming in here with a, a song and dance youthy routine like some churches do. This church is not about that. Our youth is not about that. Pastor Chris and Janet have done a great job raising up some warriors that are hungry for more. And I believe God's going to take us deeper this week. You want to be broken? Tithe. Oh, you had to go there. Every time you increase, bring the tithe before the Lord. Find the giving stations and give during worship. Give online, however you want to do that. But not just when it's convenient. Ah, how many of you really want the anointing? I want the anointing. And God gives us all these measures to discover what it is to really be broken. Get up early, extra early, and seek God. But here's the thing I want you to understand. None of those things will make God like you any more than he already does. I hope you come to church. I hope you tithe. I hope we start more campuses. I hope we broaden ministry influence. I hope all that happens just because I want to see the kingdom of God expand. But I just know I'm doing what God's asked me to do. I'm asking you to do what God's asked you to do. And none of it will make God love us any more than he already does. He already loves us all the way. So just close your eyes with me. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do what you desire to do. We invite you to do what you desire to do within our surrendered, available lives. I pray that we would learn what it is to walk with you. I pray that, is, that we would learn what it is to keep in step with the Spirit, as the book of Galatians reveals. To walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. We'd be so broken and sensitive and available that we would sense those moments, God, you're desiring to have a conversation to empower us to something beyond the natural into spaces of the supernatural that will release God's kingdom in profound and amazing ways to our world. We are the gates. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's all stand together. I want you to shake off condemnation. I want you to shake off negative self-talk. You are fully known. You are fully loved. 
there is something terrifying about being fully known. Something so fascinating about being fully loved. He who knows you the best loves you the most. Will you just surrender to that reality as you just lift your hands in a posture of surrender to the love of God. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came, you lived, and you died so that we could have life. We ask you, Lord Jesus, help us to be responsive to your work in our hearts, in our homes, in our lives, and in our world. In the mighty name of Jesus, deliver us, Lord, from all of our self-efforts to feel better about how you feel about us. Help us to step into a place, into a space where we understand we're fully known, we're fully loved. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you agree Jesus is Lord, why don't you give him a hand clap of praise and we declare right now, he is who he says he is.